Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. not very bold when I when I speak I have to use a microphone where were we at the other day I just tried to talk to someone across the aisle and I was like well that's like spitting in the wind like my voice does not (laughs) it just doesn't carry if I'm with Sophie and I need to get somebody's attention a while away I'm like Sophie her voice is bolder than my voice is I don't know why God gave me this voice but he did right um so I can relate to Moses just a little bit you know I have a different struggle, um, but uh, I think because I was soft-spoken, I would find myself in situations where it didn't feel like anybody wanted to hear what I had to say, and that affected my value. That affected how I felt about who he called me to be. I think Ken, Ken has got that voice. He just soothes you right in. Like when he talks, it's he doesn't lead with aggression or, or anything like that, but he leads with wisdom. And you know that when he's speaking, he's saying something, you know. So it's not about how loud you are, but it's about how we use those things that we have. And he knows, I believe, that Ken knows the value that he carries. So he doesn't have to force himself in some other way like that. Okay, so when we don't understand our value, we can try to control situations and people around us. It's not good. It's not good. It's a little bit like having a temper tantrum. Have you ever been in that situation where you feel like nobody's listening to me? I'm just going to kick my kick and scream and pound my fist until somebody recognizes me. And I think that that's all rooted in not understanding value. And so maybe some of you men can understand that situation too. I don't think that's isolated to women, but I do think that women use it differently, use our influence. So oftentimes we'll seek value from others. And so then in in our relationships with people, we add pressure to them that they're not responsible for. If I put all the pressure on Wade to make me feel valued... That would be more than he was ever created or designed to carry. It's not his responsibility. I need to know my value in Christ so that I don't depend on him to make me feel valued. Now, should he add to me just as I add to him? Absolutely. That should take place. But I should also know who I am and not expect him to make me feel valued. Right? Your value is intrinsically part of your design. After all, we were created in the image of the creator. That is what you carry with you. We are all part of that. And if you seek value from others, they're going to disappoint you. They're going to disappoint you. And as women, we find that a lot when we're expecting from our man, whomever that may be, to make us feel valued and they fall short in that. We feel disappointed. But if we don't ever put that responsibility on them, and they should love us well, they know their part. I'm not talking to them right now. But we are responsible for that. Uh, Saying things like, well, you don't make me happy anymore. Well, they were never intended or created to make you happy. My happiness is not dependent on Wade. Now, can his personality kind of want to intrude on my happiness? Yes, it can. 
But he was not created to make me happy. If I'm unhappy, it's something internally. It's something inside of me that I need to work on with Christ. It is not the cross that he is to bear to make me happy. So, the best thing that you can do is surround yourself with other people that understand their value so that they increase your value when you're together, right? That's what happens when you're around other people. Like when we come in here and you're around people that understand who they are and they understand their value in Christ, it feels really good. And it's not that feeling of competition. It's not that feeling of disappointment, but it's because you've recognized your value and that you were created in the image of Christ and you bear his image. There is a feminine nature to God, and we get to carry that. He is multifaceted and deeper than we can understand. And as women, we get to carry that part of God's nature. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right, I'm going to take us to the garden. Let's talk about how you were created. Alrighty, so I'm going to read Genesis 2. You got it up there, Nathaniel, Genesis 2, 18 through 24. I'm just going to read the whole thing, and then I want to break it down for you. And this is in the Passion Translation, so just follow along in yours, but I like this one. So, then Yahweh God said, It is not good for man to be alone. Therefore, I will fashion a suitable partner to be his help and strength. Next, (laughs) for Yahweh God had formed from the soil every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them before the man to see what he would call them. So whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. He gave the names to all the various cattle, birds, and wild animals, but Adam could not find a fitting companion that, that corresponded to him. So Yahweh God caused Adam to fall into a deep trance, and while he slept, he took a portion of Adam's side and closed its place with flesh. Then Yahweh God used the portion of Adam's side and skillfully crafted a woman and presented her to him. Then Adam said, At last, one like me, her bones formed from my bones and her flesh from my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. I always like to think that verse right there, he was like, whoa, woman, like, you know, that's how he, but anyway. Then Adam said, oh, wait, for this reason, a man leaves his father and his mother to be unselfishly attached to his wife. They become one flesh as a new family. Amen. All right, so in Genesis um, verse 18, it says, then Yahweh said, it is not good which he is saying there is the only time in the garden that he said that something wasn't good. Everywhere else he said it was good. He created the heavens and the earth, and it was good. He created the day and the night, and it was good. He created the fish and the, and the birds of the air and, and all that. It was good. He created Adam. It was good. Everything was good until he recognized that it was not good that Adam was complete without a mate or incomplete without a mate. For the man to be alone. Therefore, I will fashion a suitable partner to be his helper and strength. This Hebrew word um, there where it talks about um, a suitable partner, 
is if you look at the original here, for those of you that like the root words, I'm about to give you a nugget, okay? So get ready to write it down. The Hebrew word is actually ezer, E-Z-E-R. And it's actually a military term. And it, and it means military help. And it's a term that, uh, that was ascribed to God himself 14 times in the Bible. Now, am I saying that woman is God? I'm not saying that. But I am saying that part of God's nature is intrinsically designed in woman. So he formed us intentionally and with purpose. This word easer could be translated as strong rescuer, not weak and feeble. (laughs) Easer is the opposite of weak and feeble or devalued. He actually, uh, that word, that Hebrew word uh, for for easer, um, when you think about the fact that, uh, that it means strong rescuer, we have a real assignment on our creation as women. A real assignment. I mean, there's, I mean, honestly, you call, this is not an indictment. I'm just going to speak out some truth here. But you call a prayer meeting and don't see if that two-thirds of that room isn't filled with women. But that's because that's what we were created for. Because if you look on through here, and some of us ladies, we learned some of this when we went down to the women's conference last year. But it goes on to say, so both God and women are easier. God's choice for easier indicates that the woman is a man's first line of defense and an equal partner in the journey of life. We're a first line of defense. Easier is a military term. That's not, not something that women as typically associate themselves with. But when you look at the root word of that, that that is what we are called to do. There's a reason that we have a desire to pray. There's a reason that women in our design have a desire to worship. Because we are the first line of defense. That's our mission and our mandate. Doesn't that make sense when you think about it? You know, and, and our husbands, God created them with specific purpose. Men, man is created with a specific purpose as well. But as women, we need to understand who we are. Because once we understand who we are, then we understand our assignment. There's a reason that, you know, sometimes women are like, I want my husband to pray for the family. But it looks like right here, it says that you're the first line of defense. So it looks like you should be praying for them. And yes, he should be too. But don't forsake the responsibility that he's placed on you. There's a reason that you carry a burden for your husband, that you carry a burden for your children. There's a reason that as mothers we carry that because that's the way God designed us. So what's a woman going to be like when she is, uh, recognizes her value and she seats herself in the eyes of God in the right position? What can we not do, right, for the kingdom of God? Once we understand who we are. Okay. She is the one who protects, reveals, and helps. That's another definition for Ezer. Protects, reveals, and helps. We are. I mean, I love those t-shirts that say Mama Bear on them, you know, because as women we are. Even in friendships, aren't we protective? Like, man, We'll, like, dig in, and we are protective of those friendships and those people. And women can get so close, it makes men really uncomfortable. Can't we? Like, it's just our nature. It's who we protect those that we love around us. They don't have to live in our house. (laughs) 
We just got to be connected with them in some way, and we will protect them because that's the way God uh, uh, created us. We reveal and we help. And so sometimes that, that can be difficult, you know, because God will reveal things to us just based on our nature and our understanding and how he created us as part of the image of God and what we carry. We tend to be a bit more sensitive. Anybody? Anybody? We just do. But that also makes us sensitive to the spirit of God. We're sensitive, and he, he will reveal things. He'll reveal things to us. And those things are so that we can help. We can know how to pray. We can be the first line of defense for those that are around us. We were designed to, to, to battle, but in a different way. That, that, I mean, I didn't write that. Like, that's the base of it. He created us for so much more and with this extreme value. In verse 19, it says, For Yahweh, God had formed from the soil, soil, soil every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them before the, the man to see what he would call them. So whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. And then in verse 20, it says, He gave names to all the various cattle, birds, and wild animals. But Adam could not find a fitting companion that corresponded with him. I think that's really good in the Passion Translation. So he could find no other in the garden like him. And so yet God had created him, and he, uh, some believe that he was complete in himself. There are some um, old school kind of thinking was we believe that, you know, Adam was formed, and then... Um, and then God came along and said it wasn't good for him to be alone. And so when I was in Sunday school, they taught me that they took a rib from Adam's side and then formed woman from that. But there are other school theologians that believe that Adam was complete, both male and female, and that he would have been, and this is kind of wild for those of us that were raised in the old way of thinking, but that what God was actually saying was that it was not good that Adam would be able to reproduce in himself alone. Because when, when uh, God created man, he said, I'll create them in, my, in, in, in our image, in our image. And so here they created man, and he was one, complete and whole. This is part of the, what some theologians believe. And so he realized that then that would leave Adam no companion, no companionship. And we need companionship. We need that. And so he didn't want him to be complete in himself, but he needed to, there needed to be someone else that would complete them, that as the two become one, as that union takes place, that there would be a dependence for each other. And I think it's a beautiful image because that tells me that in that moment, did I get to verse 21? Am I jumping the gun? So verse 21, let me read this before I go into this. Yahweh God caused Adam to fall into a trance, and while he slept, he took a portion of Adam's side. And that can also be that uh, word side right there. If you look at it um, in the original, it means inner chamber. So we always said rib, but that's not really in the scripture. But it's inner chamber and closed its place with flesh. Eve was not created, created to be beneath Adam, but to walk beside him as a companion, as an equal. Yes, we're called to be submitted to our husbands, but catch this. 
just as they are called to be submitted to God, and Jesus is submitted to the Father. Submission does not look like what man labels it as. It doesn't. It doesn't look like my hand is on you to hold you down. That is not submission. The angels are submitted to us. Does that mean that they're beneath us? Not necessarily. They, they work in power and authority as well. Jesus is submitted to the Father. It's actually a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful process of submission. And so we were created to walk alongside. Let's not twist the perspective by which God created woman. She is fully valued, not less than man. History would tell us a different story of women, but God tells the truth. Okay? Often inside the church we're told a different story. And I pray that this has not been... um, my poor daughter's had the veil ripped off her eyes recently. I feel really bad, actually, a little bit of guilt, but little mom guilt. <laughs> because I raised her so that she wouldn't notice that in the church she was any less valuable than anyone else. Because she's not. She's not less valuable in the kingdom of God. And I wanted her to always flow in freedom and understanding that her value, that God saw her as equal to anybody else, that really equality was not even a thing she would even think about, that she would just know that she's the daughter of the king and that he would see her the same way that he sees a man. But in reality, there is a prejudice there. Reality, there is this idea that women are not always equal. And for those of you people that haven't been churched all your life, you're, you're lucky. It's a blessing. It really is. Because you wouldn't be aware of some of those stigmas and those types of things. And so that when people see Wade and I, they say, oh, Wade's the pastor and Becky's just the pastor's wife. Not just. I mean, that's an important role as well. But even that, people won't see that there's equality in the kingdom. And those are just crazy little mindsets that we pick up, right? Right. But the reason I say that is because God created you to be equal in the kingdom of God. You have value. Okay. So I'm going to give you a little bit of, I don't uh, know how much, I dabble in some really interesting social topics that um, really I think are very related to the church. And... um, And I teach this class, which I've talked about on worldviews, and we talk about the perspective of postmodernism. And you've probably heard on the news that we live in a postmodern world, especially if you watch some of the more conservative news channels. They'll talk a lot about postmodernism and what that really means. And essentially that means your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And as long as your truth doesn't infringe on mine, then it's true no matter what the truth is. But then nobody really knows what truth is. Okay? Okay. (laughs) So... There really is no truth. Um, And we know that to be a lie of the enemy. There is an absolute truth. We believe that the absolute authority is is in this Bible right here. It's not my words, but it is what's written in the Word of God. That is absolute truth. So in the postmodern postmodern worldview, there's this word called deconstruction. And see, you have to be enlightened and brought forth to this understanding that there's really no intrinsic truth. And as long as it makes you happy, then that can be your truth. And so it's a deconstructing process of the core values and understanding of absolute truth. It's actually an attack on absolute truth and biblical authority. But see, that word has creeped into the church now. 
And there's this group of people that go through this process of deconstruction. And they are deconstructing their understanding of religion and the word of God. And so now they look at the Bible and they read a passage of scripture. And they, they read it. Jesus was born of a virgin. We'll just take that one. And they're like, mm, I don't really know. that. You know, that doesn't really make sense to me. I can't understand how that would be possible. So that's not true. And that's the part of deconstruction. So it's de- taking thoughts and ideas, beliefs that you've previously held, and now you're deconstructing them, tearing them apart. What I see in that and as a lie of the enemy is that then you become the God because you get to pick what's true. I'm not that smart. I'm not that smart, and I'm not going to know everything. But God does. And if he put it in the word of God, then if I don't understand it at face value, how Jesus was born of a virgin, then that tells me I need to spend a little bit more time with that passage of scripture. And I need to dig a little deeper and ask him to reveal the truth to me in that passage versus me just saying, eh, I don't really like this. And so in this process of deconstruction, what has actually happened is that it's been an attack on some women in more traditional church settings. And in those settings where they're not allowed, they're not equal in the kingdom, they're not allowed to to have the same um, ability as men no longer see themselves in the image of God because they're in a place where they feel like they're second-class citizens. And the sad part to me is that it is such a lie of the enemy and it's rules and and. and mandates that religion has put into place that's made a woman feel like that when she comes to church that she doesn't carry the same value as the man sitting next to her. But yet God took six verses to create woman. He took one to create man. (laughs) Now, by me telling you that women have value, it does not devalue a man. And if you feel that way, that's a spirit of competition and it has no place in the house of God. So because I'm telling you that your value doesn't mean that something else is not valued. All right? We have to learn to walk in unity and understanding. And the sad part about these women that are deconstructing from the Christian faith, they're walking away from their husbands and they're walking away from their children because they can't find their reflection in the image of God in those houses of worship. And they're walking away from Christianity to embrace a lie. But a group of people that are calling them and saying, yeah, we'll let you be and do whatever it is you want to do. I'm not saying that that's the right thing either because that's that postmodern thinking of your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, but there is no truth. Okay, did I confuse you all with that? I call it the crazy train. Okay, so here's a definition for deconstruction. Deacon, for those uh, learners out there, deconstruct the deconstruction process refers to tearing down of one way of thinking to build another. On the surface and done through the lens of Christ, um, it can be a good thing. I've deconstructed many thoughts and ideas that I had been previously told, just like the rib. Right, And even when we talked about um, Adam and Eve and eating of the fruit, now we call it the fruit, but we used to call it what? The apple. 
We don't know if that was an apple tree in the garden. <laughs> and those seem like little small things and, and not super important. And that may be the thing. But sometimes those just, we take them in and they become part of who we are. And because I was raised in the church for a long, long time, and I know that some of you all come from different backgrounds, and you're going through a deconstruction process. Because it's different. It's different than what you were taught, that you were taught by, by man or a woman that was teaching you. And maybe you didn't, you weren't able or didn't have the ability to look into scriptures and uh, seek deeper, deeper understanding and revelation of those things. And so we just pick those up as being truth. We just pick it up. It just becomes part of us. Kind of like the rib. I don't know if it was the rib or what it was. But when I look back at the more original meaning of that word, it says inner chamber. Almost like God took part of his being out. Which is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And so um, because I was raised in a church and I was raised in a particular denomination, there are, there are things that I've had to. As a matter of fact, um, some years ago, probably about seven years ago, I just began to question all the things, you know, in, the, in Scripture. Why do we believe this? Why do we do it that way? Why do we have church the way we do? Even right down to things like that. Like, why do we do this? Why do we go through these certain motions? Is it somewhere in there? Why do they say these marriage vows at a wedding? Is that in there specifically? You know, I just wanted to know. Why, why, why? And so I had to seek God and seek the word, the word for those answers. Not man's opinion. It's really good to have wise counsel, but you need to make sure that wise counsel is running your situation and what's happening through the word of God. Okay. So in verse 22, then Yahweh, God, used a portion of Adam's side and skillfully crafted a woman and presented her to him. Created, this verb is not used anywhere else in the creation account the only place even when he says that he created the heavens and the earth that uh, in its original tense that is not the word that was used there so it's interesting because when like um, Wade and Daryl have said before when you go back to the Hebrew or the Greek of a word you understand that we don't quite have the language to express exactly the true meaning of what those words were we like to take one word where it may encompass a much broader thought than, than what we're able to express in the English language. So we lack that a little bit. And so it's important to be able to seek, you know, seek deeper truth. And then um, it goes on to say, Then Adam said, At last, one like me, her bones were formed from my bones and her flesh from my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. For this reason, a man leaves his father and his mother to be unselfishly attached to his wife. They become one flesh as a new family. And so, um, I, you know, going back to what I said about how when he separated the two, it was because then they had to come back together. They had to come back to unite together. It's unity. It's a, um, it's a picture of the, the bride, right? It's a picture of the bride and the bridegroom. It really is a picture of the church, even in, in God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and how they marry and unite together to create what was created on the earth. Um, it's a really beautiful, beautiful thing. There's this passage of scripture in Proverbs chapter 31. Any mama, any woman in here ever heard Proverbs 31? 
I think sometimes in the church it was used as a little bit of a weapon, and I think sometimes women felt a lot of pressure by what was written in that particular passage because it says she, 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 you know, the wife, the mother will do, and all these things. And sometimes we use that as a, um, as a lens to which we reflect onto ourselves, but we see how we're not measuring up. You know, it becomes something that the enemy can use to distort versus it being something that can be used to encourage but I, I'd like to challenge you on your thinking as far as Proverbs 31. And what if that's actually the story of the church, of the bride? What if it's bigger and it encompasses a much broader perspective than it just being a, a passage of Scripture for women, but it's actually for the bride of Christ? Which I think is exactly what it's meant to speak to us. But in verse 25, this particular uh, verse is the one that I wanted to share with you today. And in the NLT, it says, She is clothed in strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. And then in the Passion Translation, it says, Bold power and glorious majesty are wrapped around her as she laughs with joy over the latter days. Or beauty, honor, and excellence. You remember when back in the beginning we were talking about um, woman meant easer and that that's really a, mili- a, a term used for military and that we are the first line of defense and that he also made us to be protective. I think it's reflected here in this passage as well. This is a picture of a, a virtuous and victorious bride that does not fear the days to come. That's the way we should live, not in fear of the days to come. She contemplates eternity and her forever union with the bridegroom. Isn't that beautiful? And that is for everyone. That is for everyone, her forever union with the bridegroom. That is what's to come. We don't need to fear the future. We don't need to live in fear. And I think if we understand our value, then fear would not be our response. And if we understand just how good the bridegroom is and how he desires to take care of us and, and, uh, and, and create for us a, 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 a hope in a future, a hope in a future, that is who he is. So if you're wonder, wondering how God feels about women, I believe his actions speak way louder than words. I just think that this is so good, and so I hope y'all get as excited about this as I got. So here we go. We, I'm about to give you a list because I think it is so true. When you, when you look in Scripture, sometimes you'll read these passages. You know, um, love is an action word, right? We need to, our actions really show how we love people. Our words can fall flat. Even for those people that their love language are words of affirmation, if, if your actions don't line up with what you're saying, that doesn't mean a hill of beans. <laughs> <That's a laughs> and so here we have Eve created as a defense for an equal partner to Adam. That's who Eve was. She wasn't created under his foot or, um, you know, as a second thought. I wonder if he didn't need Adam to kind of feel that feeling of I'm incomplete, although he was complete. But if he needed to feel that feeling of longing for companionship and and understanding. And then God created woman to walk beside. She's not a servant and she's not a slave. 
She was not made uh, to be his property, but submitted to each other. Um, in 1 Peter 3, 7, um, sometimes that scripture is used as a, a negative thing where it talks about women are a weaker vessel. Anybody ever heard that one as a woman in the church? We're a weaker, weaker vessel. She can't doesn't have the ability to understand or, you know, we we need to let the them do it and she just needs to not but I I would challenge that thinking and thinking that um it's really easy for me to see I am not as strong as Wade is physically I'm not there's not a and I truly believe that that passage of scripture when it talks about a weaker vessel it's referring to a physical perspective and not a mental capacity I can't work as hard as he can I'll try but, you know, I did come to a place where I just recognized our differences and the way that God created us different, and I'm really okay letting him be strong. I'm really okay with that because that's the way God created him, and he needs to fulfill his value as much as I need to fulfill mine. God created man to work. That's, he created Adam to work. I mean, that is part of your nature as men. He gives you that mandate. That's, that's one of the first mandates that he gives as a, as a gift to you. <laughs> Aren't you excited? <laughs> I can feel that one was falling kind of flat. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's look at another example. God's actions on how he values women. He let a young girl, a teenage girl, carry the Messiah. If he didn't value women, why would he let her carry Jesus in her womb. What in the world? He could have let some man, I guess. I mean, they're not born with a womb, so it'd have been, you know, he'd had to go back to the garden to fix that situation. But, but he, he, he allowed Mary to carry the Messiah. The Holy Spirit came to her. And because she is sensitive and she carries the, the feminine nature of God, the Holy Spirit could come and say, I'm about to require something of you that's big. And it's going to cost you a lot. And she said, if it be your will. Huh. What? Wade would have analyzed it like 15 times to Sunday. I'm just kidding. I'm just picking on him because he's mine. <laughs> okay. And I know he won't get offended at me. <laughs> All right. So then we have Deborah in the Old Testament. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Deborah. Not only was she married, she had a husband, she owned a business, she was a military leader who won many battles, she was a prophet, and she was a judge. That's a lot. He, he, um, God put that responsibility on her. I'm not saying that there aren't men that we could talk about at the same time, but I am talking about women and your value. We can, um, he values you. That's another example of how he does that. Mary Magdalene, she sat at the feet of Jesus. She sat at, she recognized who he was. She recognized who, she, who, who he was and she sat at his feet and washed his feet with her hair. When the other disciples who were still trying to figure Jesus out, that's what I'm thinking is going on in this particular, he's like, what are you doing? She's a prostitute. She's not even, she's an unclean woman. How are you allowing her to do that to you? And he said, she's doing their good thing. 
She's doing the good thing. She becomes the very person that sees him after he comes out of the grave, the first person. Mary Magdalene was the first person to see him after he came. That's recorded when he came out of the tomb. He values you. And then, of course, this is a house favorite here, which is Fotini, the Samaritan woman who had an appointment with the Messiah at a well to tell her all the things about herself. This is actually the longest passage of Scripture in the, in the New Testament, that the longest interaction that Jesus had with anyone is this story of Fotini. You think he values women? Do you know what she did while those disciples were still like going, I don't know, I mean, I think he's the Messiah, and, and Peter's over here talking to James, and James is like, you know, um, yeah, he's my brother, but uh, I know what I think, but they're still trying to figure out who he is. And Fotini has an encounter, the Samaritan woman has an encounter with Jesus at the well, and she runs back to her village, becomes one of the, whether you want to call her the first missionary, the first evangelist, or the first preacher, she tells her whole village and then brings them out to him. And they spend some time in Samaria. And then Fotini stands before one of the most ruthless rulers in history, Nero with her sisters by her side, who she had converted. And she challenged that ruler, that evil ruler, who destroyed many, many Christians in that day, destroyed the temple. And she looked at him and she said, you need Jesus, is what she said. You need Jesus. God used her to do that. God used her to do that. You think he doesn't value women? In John 8, 32, it says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Daryl said that scripture earlier today. This is the truth. Do not allow someone to use a passage of scripture taken out of context to beat you over the head with it as women. Do not allow that to happen. God's actions speak way louder than those passages of Scripture that are taken out of context. He values you. He loves you. He, take, he took time to craft you and mold you. He didn't make you a carbon copy of Adam, but he made you intricately. He gives us the responsibility of carrying children in our womb. It's an honor if, that's been able, if, you've, if you've had the privilege to do that. He allows you to bring forth life, and then he breathes on it. He values you. He would not place that on you if he did not value you. So how do we not lose sight of our value? And I think this morning we experienced it. It's through our worship, and worship is a way we live our life. It's not a moment in service. It's not at the first hour at the well. <laughs> it's not Tuesday night. I mean, it is, but it's not. That's part of it. But it's our life lived in worship with him. It's the way we live our life in communion with him. That will keep you from... Uh, from not feeling devalued. That will keep you understanding who you are. 
how he's created you and how he values you as a woman. You are not a second-class citizen. In Galatians, it says that we are created equal, that there are neither male nor female, Jew or Gentile, but that we are created equal in the eyes of God. That is who you are. You carry purpose inside of you. We give birth to things often in the spirit. And he is going to, don't sit back. If he, if he has placed something in you to be or to do, you chase that thing. You release that. The kingdom needs it. You are equal in the sight of God. In my home, do I submit to my husband? I do, because his heart is submitted to God. And I will follow where he leads. Does he seek me for advice? And do we most of the time make decisions together? And does he most of the time not make a decision till we can both get on the same page? Yeah, we do that too. Because we honor each other. And when you look at each other, you need to honor each other and value each other based on the way that God sees them and sees you. But when I don't know what to do, I can lean on, lean on Wade just a little bit to help answer the questions. Kathy, I just, I just, I'm sorry. Um, I'm not sorry, but you know. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just want, I just want to say to you that um, that is the relationship. I hear God saying that is the relationship that we have, that it is a submitted relationship, and that Jesus sees himself as your bridegroom. And I just feel like for some reason I need to honor that today. He wants you to know that. In John chapter 4, it says, and I'm getting ready to wrap up, John chapter 4, it says that worship is in the heart and that we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. And if we do that, ladies, we will find our true value. Do not back down. Stop complaining because your husband's not spending enough time in prayer about the family. First, you don't know what he's doing in his private time, okay? And secondly, he called you to be the first line of defense. He called you to pray. It's not just fear and a burden. We don't need to carry fear and a burden. We need to release that burden in prayer to the Father. And sometimes I think that, that, um, that, that the enemy will use that, that. That fear will overtake us as women. And then we, we can't pray effectively. And we're looking for somebody else to do it. And God's saying, I created you for it. You are easer. You are easer. Rise up. Rise up, women. And if you can create a life of worship, where you worship him in spirit and in truth, In spirit, that means worshiping him not just from this place of thinking and in the natural, because we are spirit beings inside of this body. Let's not neglect the fact that that is who we are. 
And now you can worship him in truth because the word has been released. And you know that he values you. He values you. He took time to craft us and to put us together. And today on Mother's Day, that's what we want to instill in our daughters, right? That's what I want Molly to know. (laughs) That's what I want Sophie to know. That's what I want Maris to know, is that she has full access to the Father. And she has full access to the kingdom of God. And we need to be a good example of that. We need to be a good example of that. Women knowing who they are and understanding their value in the kingdom. So if you'll stand with me. And I, I am... I honor every mother in the house today. I know that God honors you. I honor every woman in the house. And I honor every man that understands to value a woman doesn't mean that you're devalued. Because everything that God desires to release on this earth, I believe, is linked to our unity, it's linked to the body and how we function and flow. And I also honor every uh, spiritual mother, every mentor, every person that, no matter your age, has poured into someone else's life and have been there for them and encouraged them and led them to the cross and prayed and have carried their burden, have been their first line of defense when they didn't even know you were praying for them. Wait, Nathaniel, will you pull up that picture? I have to share a little personal something with you. It's really not about me, but I I told you I've been struggling. Yeah, I've been struggling. I didn't even know I was struggling. (laughs) Which that's funny, like when you don't know you're struggling, but you are struggling. But, you know, then it's funny because random, really random, which God knows he has to speak to me that way. I am just a smidge skeptical. I'm sorry. I apologize now, but I'm just a smidge skeptical. So God has to use really random sources to sometimes for me to hear what he's trying to say externally. And so earlier this week, um, I got this... um, we go to a co-op every week, and I had this woman who I have not talked to four times this past. We've been in classes together for 30-plus weeks, and I haven't talked to her four times this year. She comes up to me. She wraps her arms around me. She says, you have been so strong on my mind this week. Are you doing okay? And I was like, don't cry. You know, <laughs> you have been on my mind. And then I got a Marco from somebody else. That just said, hey, you're on my mind this week. See, that doesn't bring condemnation to me because God uses people. God uses people, every single one of you. And so then I get this uh, phone call from the florist. And it said, I got I have a delivery for Becky Atkinson. And I'm like, well, okay. That doesn't happen often. And so I messaged Wade. <laughs> 
tell on you. <laughs> I said, wait, I just got a call because he was at home. He said, I said, I just got a call that said they had some flowers to deliver. You know anything about that? He says, nope. <laughs> God sends, and this may sound silly, but I don't know about y'all, but he sends kisses from heaven all the time in our life. If we'll just take time to see him, we'll take time to receive him. They come in the form of people. They come in the form of strangers. They come in all many different forms. And this is what I got. <laughs> Those beautiful flowers. Wade said, he sent me a picture of them. He said, Becky, they're beautiful. He said, they're peach-colored roses. And it's all kind of wild and, 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 and spring-like and just spoke to me. Love Yahweh. Love Yahweh. What in the world? I got flowers from Yahweh. But he used someone else's. He spoke to somebody. And if they had not responded, I wouldn't have got flowers from Yahweh. Not like that. He values you. He values you. It takes only a couple of minutes to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We don't have to wait for anybody else. You don't have to say, ah, well, Ken will do it or Daryl will do it. What if he's saying, Jen, you need to do it. I'm asking you to do it. Kim, I need you to do it. Because he values you. So today, I'm giving you flowers from Yahweh. I don't even have words. I would have posted it on social media, but it looked like I was a virtue signaling or whatever that's called, like I wanted to show it off. But I had to share it with you ladies today. If he fills, if he clothes, clothes the lilies of the field, and he feeds the sparrow, how much more, how much more does he love you? How much more will he take care of you? He values you today. He values you today. You just let him love on you. I'm going to pray for you. Father, we thank you for today. And, you know, I just I need to be a little authoritative here and say, enemy, any lie that you have spoken that has taken root in our lives and in our hearts as women, as men, as community, as Christians that have caused us to think less of each other, I cancel that assignment in the name of Jesus. This is a house where we will walk in unity and we will value each other. So, Father, I thank you for the revelation of truth so that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. I thank you because we will not just take things at face value, but that we will seek truth and understanding. In whatever journey or path that takes us on, that we uh, submit our ideas and our will to your truth. Your truth trumps, Father. That is the trump card.
And so, Father, I thank you because as women, now that we understand our value, we will not wield our power in manipulation or deceit. But we will walk in the authority and understanding of who we are, bringing life and light to everything that we touch. Because after all, we are co-heirs to the life giver. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for every woman in this house and every man that lifts her and pushes her into being all that you have designed and created her to be. that fans the flames of her spirit and of her life. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.